bonus episode with Mary Teresa Tringale and Jody Flynn, part two on women taking the lead. Highlight the stuff that you do not want to do or that you know that you are not, that is not your zone of genius. And that will help you figure out the pieces that you need support in. And then you start, you look at that and say, well, who do I already have in my network that's, that can help me with these things? Mm-hmm. And who do I need to go find? Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead. I am your host, Jody Flynn, and this episode is a continuation of the conversation that I began with Mary Teresa Tringale on how to produce events for yourself. Now, I had done a previous episode to talk about best practices and steps to go through when you're hired by an organization to lead a workshop for them. And I wanted Mary's expertise to be available to you as well when you're doing a different type of event, uh, an event in which you're responsible for all the pieces, whether you're doing them yourself or you're outsourcing them, pretty much everything is running through you and of your creation and vision. And so Mary graciously came on. It ended up being a longer conversation just because there was so much information. So I split it up into two episodes to make it more consumable, I guess, for lack of a better word. And so here we go. Mary Teresa Tringale is going to give you the last three steps in her process to create events for your community. So we've done mission, vision, believe, and business goals. And you might think that the next step is budget, but it's not. The next step is team. So understanding what kind of a team you have, what kind of support you have that you have, you don't have to pay for and what Mm -hmm. kind of support you're going to have to pay for. Um, because you want to understand, do you have a marketing person who you can lean on? Um, who's not going to, you know, do you already have a marketing person on your team that you pay a full-time, a full-time salary to, you don't have to also hire a marketing person for that if you already have that? Do you already have a graphic designer that you work with? Do you already have a financial person who can help you stick with your budget? So these are all the things that you want to work through. Who do you have on your team? Are you going to need to hire an event planner? Do you have a marketing person on your team that has event experience who can help you? Um, Are you going to need to hire an AV team? Or do you have a tech team already in your disposal that you don't need to hire? So those, that's just one other step that kind of seems like it might be a little bit silly, but it's really, really important for you to figure that out before you take the next step, which is budget. Okay. Before we go to budget, Mary, I just want to underscore, I'm so glad you brought this up because for some of you, you're listening and you're like, oh, I'm just doing this little meeting or this little get together. That doesn't mean you have to do all the work just because it's smaller. Like lean on people, invite people in. People get more excited, more jazzed about things that are going on when they're involved. So if you're a leader within an organization and you're just, you know, putting together a planning meeting for your department, who can you lean on to help you prepare for that? Or could the whole team share a component of the work that needs to be done so everybody feels really involved? I think um, this is something I'm trying to remind myself of and I'm trying to remind the whole community of is like, ask for help, accept help, allow yourself to receive support because people do want to support you. 
Yeah. And so there's, there's just a few things of that, that I would suggest to, to help you through that process is kind of list out all the elements of the event that, and you can look at your vision and say like, what are all of these elements that need somebody to be doing it? So somebody needs to go see a venue, somebody needs to manage a budget, somebody needs to connect with speakers, or somebody needs to Uh, create a worksheet or whatever it may be. And then go through that list and figure out what brings you joy of the, through that process or what pieces can you do confidently and highlight the stuff that you do not want to do or that you know that you are not, that is not your zone of genius. And that will help you figure out the pieces that you need support in. And then you start, you look at that and say, well, who do I already have in my network that's that can help me with these things? Mm-hmm. And who do I need to go find? And then you can say, you know, maybe there's opportunities for trade. People will want to come to your event and give you that service. Or maybe people will be a sponsor of your event and give you that service. But it's really important for you to understand where your holes are at before you move forward because you want to understand what pieces of that you're going to have to pay for. And then the other pieces. When it comes to your event day, the same thing, you as the host of your event, you want to make sure that you are not being sidetracked by things that will sidetrack you. Logistics, right. So if you are somebody who can, like I would say myself, that I could feel confident in checking, in managing logistics and also presenting at the same time because that's my background. I don't know that I I would still even want one person there and I might find somebody who would be a volunteer to just be that person at the door as people are coming in. But I wouldn't necessarily need a day of planner. I don't think if I had a workshop for 10 people, I think I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. But I will say as an event planner myself, if I was also facilitating, if I had 25 people, I would want somebody there who is managing any issues because I, my job is to facilitate. And if I'm being distracted by little things that are happening, that is not my best self showing up. So when you start to put your event together, you want to think about who's going to be there on the day of to do all the little pieces that you should, you are the host with the most. And you should be accessible in that way. And so you want to have a team of people around you and everybody has the job and a role. So think about that too. Hopefully you won't have to pay for all that support, but maybe you already do. Maybe you already have people on your staff or on your team who can be those people. And maybe you can ask friends to be volunteers. And that's usually kind of easy to get people to do because they want to come to your event anyway. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, I'll quickly share when I did my workshop last year, that was a problem I ran into. I was the host and the person handling all the crazy logistics. And I was in a location where because of we, it was a, a, a building facing a, a pretty busy city street, the business locks the front door. So I also had to let people in and some people were late. So I had to, as I'm trying to like welcome everybody and get it started, people were still showing up and I had to stop and go and let them in and yeah. that sort of thing. And it was just crazy. And in retrospect, I probably could think of like one or two people who wanted to be a part of the workshop, but didn't have the budget to pay for it at that time, I could have said, hey, if you'll be a volunteer for the day, you may not be sitting in the seat, you know, having all the same experiences, but you'll be there able to listen in and be a part of it and maybe even get paired up 
you know, with somebody if we have odd numbers or whatever that right. is. Like, it would have been incredibly helpful to have at least yeah. one person to be like, can you go handle this? Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't even consider because they just are like, I'm superwoman or superman and I can do it I all. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, it doesn't serve anybody to be superman or superwoman in those moments. Like it's, it's you, it will serve you better to have somebody who's there to be an advocate for you on that day. And you look so more I professional because you can be present with the, your audience yeah. the entire time. Okay, yep. cool. Thank you Great. for that, Mary. Um, great. So now we move on to budget. So budget. the budget <laughs> budget is everybody's favorite part. Um, it actually is mine, which I'm just a math person. I like little details like this. So, but the budget is a little bit chicken before the egg, but you basically, the best way to do this is to start with an Excel grid and have two tabs, one tab for income and one tab for expenses. And you can start with your expenses. And the best way to do that is to go back to your vision and start listing out all the things that are a part of your vision that need to be paid for. Mm -hmm. So for example, your venue and any day of support, any keynote speakers. And, and also maybe you have speakers who are coming um, free of charge because they're, you know, they're not being paid, but maybe there's some expenses that go along with those with them, like gifts. Maybe you're going to buy gifts for everybody. Providing food. Mm-hmm. food, maybe you're providing um, travel, just like to and from an airport, whatever it may be. So you just want to make sure you're accounting for all of those details. Mm-hmm. Um, any signage that you want to have printed, any collateral, and by collateral, I mean worksheets or pencils that might have your logo on them, name tags. Um, maybe you want a backdrop for your staging area. Um, even if you're spending $5, it should go on your expenses budget because the idea is you want to understand at the end of this, how much did you actually spend on this event? Mm-hmm. Did you budget for pieces of the puzzle that you didn't need to? Maybe like, maybe catering came in way under what you thought it was going to. Maybe um, the AV came in as a sponsor and they didn't charge you at all. These are all things you want to capture so that when you go to do the event again in the future, whether it's an annual event or maybe it's like you did a workshop three years ago and you want to do a new one and, oh, how much did that actually cost me? Actually, actually cost you. Mm -hmm. So, and if the answer might be, it cost me $500, the answer might be, it cost me $50,000, whatever it is, you want to know the answer so that you can be realistic about how you plan for another one in the future. Um, and then I will, once I understand what that expenses looks like based on the vision that I had put together at the beginning, then I will go to my income page and start working on that. So that's where you want to say, well, do I want sponsors? And if I want sponsors, what kind of a budget am I going to put towards that? I always think if you have, if you've never done sponsorships or events before, if you don't have relationships or you don't think that you have strong relationships with businesses, keep that number conservative. You might want to start with a budget of $3,000 or $4,000 for sponsorships or even lower. Um, don't go too crazy. Don't start with, well, I'm going to have sponsors come in and pay for this entire thing at $50,000. It's not going to happen in your first year unless you also happen to be the person at Coca-Cola who decides where all their money is being spent. Right. So or you have your name attached to other really big successful events, yada, yada, right. yada, right? There right. is a lot that goes into why a sponsor would want to give you money right. and have their name on your event. 
Right. So, and, and, but I would start conservatively with the budgeting because it's always good. Unless, you know, right off the bat, a business is going to come in for $10,000. You don't want to start there. So my suggestion is that you start kind of low with three to $5,000 and you plan from there and approach people from there. And then if you go, you bring in more money than you budgeted for. Awesome. You're in the green already. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then the next step is you want to figure out your ticketing plan. So do you have an early bird rate? How long is that going to go? Do you have a two for one? Do you have a discount at 10 tickets? All of that stuff is going to be accounted for in this income. And what you do is you kind of predict not only how many, so that's why going back to how many people that in your vision, how many tickets you want to sell. So um, let's also, let's just say that, let's just say you want the room to be full with 500 people. So for example, with us, we set, we have a goal of selling 325 tickets because 175 of those are going to be comped in some way. So that might be towards sponsorships. That might be towards our partnerships, might be for us, volunteers, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, this ticketing plan, it it accounts for all of that stuff. So if you want to sell 200 tickets, you want to break that down to how many do I want to allow at the early bird rate? How many do I want to allow at this 10 ticket discount? Mm -hmm. Or, or what is my goal for at that early bird rate? Are we okay if we sell out at the early bird rate? Will that be okay? And you want to understand all of that stuff as part of that income plan. And then also, if depending on what kind of event you're doing, you might want to also include an expo or a vendor village, people who are buying tables to be at your event. Now, by the way, some people might not want to do sponsors and might only want to sell tables. That's okay. Or you could just do sponsors and only the sponsors get tables in your vendor village. But it's just, I will say, it's an excellent way to bring in additional income to support your event is to have the opportunity for people to buy booths to be around your audience. Mm -hmm. I just want to say here, because for those of you who do want to start planning events, but you're new to this, this can probably feel like drinking from the fire hose a little bit. So Mm -hmm. just take it easy. Mary's giving an overview of what her system looks like. And as she promised before, we're going to give you more information for how you can find her, you know, and get more information about what she provides because neither one of us have any, um, thought that you're going to figure all of this out from this episode. This is really just to give you, um, ideas for what you should be thinking about when you're going to plan for your event so that, you know, you, you do the steps in order so that your event can be as successful as possible. But yes, this can be overwhelming at first first glance, but that's why Mary does what she does. Yeah. Go ahead, Mary. And I think it's also important to understand that these are the foundational steps you need to do. And if it is overwhelming for you, get help, Mm -hmm. get help because it's not, if you, if you don't get the help that you need, you're just going to fall into a black hole that, and then you're going to have a horrible experience and the planning experience. We're not, I'm not just setting up your audience members to have a good time, but this work is important so that you have a good time through the planning process as well. Mm -hmm. And that's just as important. Um, So once you figure out your budget and you do your income and your expenses, you kind of want to look at those two numbers to see how they're working together. And either you might have to take some expenses back because your income plan doesn't quite cover it, Mm -hmm. or you want to up your income 
plan. So maybe your ticket price actually needs to go up. Maybe your sponsor goal needs to go up, whatever it may be, so that you can figure out the budget. And this is also a really good time for you to figure out what your with your vision, what your nice to haves are versus your must haves. And that's mm-hmm. really where you'll figure that out is going through your budget and saying, well, it would be really nice to have that 14th floor, floor to ceiling windows venue in the middle of New York city, but it's not a must have for me this year. So I can take that budget down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then the last step, um, once you've gotten through all the marathon of all these steps <laughs> is to actually put together your timeline based on your mission and your vision and your, and your budget and everything you have going on is to actually put the timeline together, starting with your end date, your event date in, t- in mind and work right your way backwards. Now, if you haven't picked out an event date because you need to find a venue that aligns with that event date, pick your ideal event date. So if your ideal event date is April 30th, work backwards from that date. And then once you find the venue, if that date isn't available, you can always adjust your timeline. The timelines are a breathing document that Mm -hmm. get adjusted over time based on what's going on. Um, But it is a good place for you to start with. And so you know what your first steps are. And a good way to kind of outline that event timeline is to start with the end in mind, that last day. And then the first dates I would fill in are your ticket dates. So when is your early bird tickets go on? sale? When do they, when do they switch up and just start with those dates and then you can fill in information from there. Like when do we the need marketing plan? Yeah. When do we want to have, yeah. When do we want to have our keynote speakers in place? Or when do I want to have my content all ready to talk about when I'm going to start promoting this event? And you just kind of fill in all the blanks from there. And that timeline is going to essentially give you the action plan for what to do moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I'll make this recommendation. And I know there are some people out there who are like, pick a date as soon as possible and get it going. But like what Mary mentioned before, and from my own experience, like I'm a bigger fan of like giving yourself a lot of runway so you can do it right than trying to do something really quick just to get it done and to say you did it. And I know some people get encouraged by consultants and coaches to just like, you know, get over the hump by just doing it, you know, that sort of thing. But even if this is a one and done, you're probably going to do another event that looks different, has different content, that sort of thing. And you want to remember that your reputation building, right? So you want to have, and also think about your own peace of mind. If this is a horribly stressful thing for you to deliver an event or a workshop, and on the other side of it, it was not a good experience for you, you are less likely to do it again. So allow yourself to have a really good experience and deliver a high quality event so that not only will you want to do it again, but other people will start talking about what a great event it was. And the next time, oh, you missed out on that. You definitely want to go next year or next quarter, whatever it's going to look like. Like think about the reputation and think about your peace of mind Well, yep. when you're setting dates. Yeah, just a few. I I say it all the time. Do it. Take the time to do it right the first time, and everybody will come back for more the second time. And there couldn't be a more truer example of that than the Maine Women's Conference because we sold out in year two, which I have to say is kind of is almost unheard of in the world of events. When you talk to all these people who are doing huge events like Tony Robbins, where he is selling out, he's been doing it for twenty five years. His Mm -hmm. first couple of years. 
there were not sellouts. He had 10 people or he had 50 people and he had hoped for 20, 250. Like it took a long time for it to get sold out. Mm-hmm. So, but, and I mean, and hopefully our event will continue to sell out year mm-hmm. after year, but I do truly believe that it was because we took the time to do it right the first time. And then also, just like you said, how will you know if it did it, if it worked or didn't, if you, if it didn't work, if you didn't do all these steps to start you, it maybe you rush into it in three months and you don't take the time to work through these steps and then nobody shows up or only four people show up and you wanted 20 and then you're super frustrated and annoyed with events and you never want to do them again. That's not fair to you or your audience, the people who will get so much out of it because you didn't really truly give yourself a chance to be successful at that event. I say six to nine months minimum. I say six months minimum. I still think that six months is kind of a rush, but yeah. yeah, But I think a year is better for you to just start having these conversations, start working through these steps. I personally don't like to work with people that are under the six month mark because it becomes a completely stressful situation for everybody involved. And it's not fair. Like it, I, I don't feel like I can serve you in the best way that I could serve you. And if you get to the event day and you're frustrated with me because I didn't give you all the tools to win, then that's not fair to me because you didn't give me the time to win. So I, and you didn't give yourself the time to win. So I just think that truly six to nine months so if anybody out there is listening and you're thinking over the summer or next fall, you're, you might like to do something like this. Now is the time to start working through these steps. Just start with number one, start with number two, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, get in touch with me and we can work through those things together now so that when the time comes, you have all of these tools already in place. Yeah. And so, that's a great segue, Mary, because I know you work with people at all different levels and with different needs and you, you're really building your business to provide people, um, the tools and the resources that they need, depending on like, I know everyone has different personality types and communication styles and they like to work with people differently. And you've definitely done the work to, um, try to accommodate as much of that as possible. So let everyone know where they can find you, um, so that they can inquire into that. Yeah. So I'm very active on the Instagram, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. So you can find me on either any of those places. I pretty much accept everybody on Facebook as a friend until like they tell me to stop. But I, because I just, I I share a lot on my personal page for this stuff. And I know that's the best that's where a lot of people are getting their information. So you can find me on any of those platforms. Instagram is mary.teresa.tringali. And I share a lot of free content there as well. But And, and then I also have maryteresatringali.com, which is my website where you can find out more information about how you can work with me. Just one example, if this is the right time, Jody, to talk about mm, yeah, the intensive work that I do. So one of the things that I actually love doing more than anything, if it's not to, if I can't work with you one-on-one throughout your entire planning process and do the all-inclusive, which includes me connecting with you on a weekly or bi-weekly, whatever you need basis to make sure you're on track and actually helping you execute the event on the day of. Something that I have found is super valuable to people when they're getting started is a intensive, like a 
uh, intensive, either a four hour intensive and we could do that virtually or a two day intensive where I would actually come to you and we would workshop basically going through these seven steps and setting you up for success. And I have found that this is people feel so empowered, so clear, so ready to take it on. And this is actually really great for people who feel confident that they can actually work through the planning process on their own with their team. And they just want that launch point. They just want that that foundation so that they have that all that information in one place and they can just go and grow and go from there. That is a virtual, what I'll call the virtual intensive. And you can find out more information about that at maryteresa.com slash intensive. And I'll have all the information there. And if you're interested in learning more about that, I do a 60 minute free um, strategy session. We can talk about what you have going on and I'll offer a little bit of coaching just based on what you have going on. And if you think that the intensive is something that would be helpful to you, then we can talk about that. Um, whether it's just that four hour virtual one, which is super popular. People love to do that one or the two hour in-person one, which is, I think the a little two more day. intimate. Yeah. Today, sorry. Yes. Today, <laughs> which I think is a little more intimate. And we actually, you know, put stickies on walls and work through it over time. And, you know, eight hours over two days actually gives us a lot of time to work through not only these seven steps, but also some other things. If you are interested in learning more about sponsorships or marketing or how to find the right speakers and how to get them confirmed for your event. All of that, those things we can work through in that intensive. And then basically the intensive includes three follow-up calls with me for you to utilize, utilize at your own time. And you can just follow up with me on any questions that you might have. But it's really just an opportunity for me to set you up to win and you to go for it with your team, which a lot of people seem to be really responding to that because that they have their own teams and they don't need a full-time planner, which I'm super happy to support in that way as well. So again, that's maryteresatringali.com slash intensive. But I do have a special offer for everybody who's listening to the podcast. It's exclusive for the Women Taking the Lead listeners. If anybody out there is interested in working through the mission statement with me, which I actually had a client the other day. Well, I, I talked about her a little bit earlier, but we... When we worked through that mission statement together and we took 30 minutes to 45 minutes to work through the mission statement, she thought it was the most helpful piece of everything we had been talking about. And, and she had originally thought that that wasn't an important piece for her. And so when we actually worked through it, I figured that this was actually something that was super valuable and I could offer it to this group exclusively at a discounted price because I love you, Jody. And wanted to offer something to your audience. Yeah. The mission statement workshop, it would be 60 minutes for us to just work through your mission and we would really deep, take a deep dive into why you're doing your event. And it just kind of gives you this launch point for you to kind of go from there and create your belief statements and create your marketing all around it. And it's a 647... I'm sorry, 649 value that I'll offer to your audience for 297. So, and if you're interested in that, you can again go to maryteresatringali.com and slash WTL mission. Okay. So women taking the lead mission, WTL mission. Yeah. And this is not going to be a public URL that I put out anywhere else. It's only available to anybody who's listening to this episode. If you feel like, Working through your mission statement with me might be helpful. I would love to help you with that. And I know that it seems to be 
one of the most powerful pieces of this process that I work through with people because they just feel super clear and super heard and super excited to start talking about it because they know what they're talking about, which is really helpful for people. So if you're interested... I'd love to work with you on that. Yes. And for those of you listening, I know sometimes you're on the go or in the car and you can't write all this down. I will have um, a webpage on my website that will have all of the links that Mary has shared and an outline of her system. Um, and it's going to be at womentakingthelead.com forward slash Mary. So if you're finding this on social media, I'll have it in the notes for the podcast. So if you found this in your podcast app, you'll be able to find the links there as well. Um, so don't, don't feel like you missed out and you're going to have to like, remember to go back. It's all going to be there for you. And Mary, thank you again for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us on events and how awesome they can be. We are all better for knowing you. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. I'm looking forward to connecting with everybody. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.